Today we start a series called Living Hope. We're following the book of 1 Peter, which is a letter written to people in the first century who were going through a severe time of suffering. They were Christians being persecuted for their faith and they were living in difficult conditions. For us at the moment, we are on these successive weeks of lockdown and we're certainly going through a challenging time. Haven't you heard that phrase a lot recently? Uh, What we're going through is certainly not as as extreme as what was going on for those first century Christians, and it's not distinctive. Everyone that we know at the moment is finding life difficult in different ways. Our neighbours, our nation and our city, all of us are facing uh, situations of isolation, uh, loss, health worries, employment worries, grief and mourning, uncertainty and anxiety. And of course, this is raising questions. Where do we turn in a time like this? As Christians, what's our response to suffering, to what we're going through? The key for us is understanding who we are in God and then living from that reality. And this book of 1 Peter has some important things to speak into our lives at this time. So I'm going to read from the first chapter of this book, verses 1 through to 12. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them 
that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Peter describes himself as an apostle. He was one of the first disciples, one of the witnesses to Jesus' life, death and resurrection. Peter called and recognised Jesus as Messiah. And Jesus said of Peter that on this rock I will build my church. Peter also denied Jesus when the rooster crowed and was reinstated when Jesus rose again. It seems that he was writing this when he was in Rome uh, a few years before he was martyred at the hands of Emperor Nero. And he was writing to people who were living in the part of the world that we now call Turkey, because Peter, who established the church in Jerusalem, was eventually called to carry the good news beyond the borders of Israel. And this letter that is written is a circular letter written to uh, churches from that mission in the wider Roman world. It's clear throughout this letter that these people were going through suffering. Nero, uh, the Roman emperor, took on this huge persecution of Christians. And Peter is writing to people who were going through dramatic suffering. And he is advising them on how to live in the face of this. So where does Peter start from? Well, he doesn't start by describing his persecution, uh, what they're going through or their social situation. Uh, some of them were slaves, so in a challenging situation. No, Peter doesn't start from describing that. He starts from stating who they really are. People who, by the mercy of God, have been chosen for a particular purpose. They've been chosen, set aside and sanctified for obedience. Now, later in the letter, he encourages them to live steadfastly before God with faithfulness, holiness and love, facing persecution head on. But at the beginning, the part that we've read, he makes it clear that the foundation of their faithfulness is the understanding of salvation. And that's where verses 3 to 12 of our passage is this wonderful continuous description of what God has done in Jesus to make this salvation possible, to bring about this living hope. In verses 3 to 5, it's clear that Peter is saying you are becoming part of the family. He praises God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and says he has given us birth. Uh, Peter says us. He's counted as part of the new birth and the people that he's writing to are counted as part of this new birth. 
And this new birth is a result of God's mercy, which grows into this living hope. And that hope is defined as an inheritance. That language of new birth and inheritance are clear family motifs. You see, the people he's writing to have an identity in their locality, but the identity that he wants them to get hold of is that they are citizens of heaven, that they are part of the family of God. And he is encouraging them to look towards the future that God will bring in through Jesus at the end of time. As one writer says, it's not so much that the believers are now living full of hope, but that they have a fixed hope, a clear vision of what God will do in the future. It's not hope with a suggestion of doubt or wishful thinking. This is a sure and certain hope. The new birth that these believers have experienced stimulates this living hope in the here and now. And that living hope is defined by an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And this inheritance is kept for God's people in heaven, shielded by God's power. We know what that shielded word means, don't we, in these times? And the only condition that God sets for his people is that they must have faith. That's faith in salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. And just as for those first century believers, it's the same for us now. We have this living hope. It's the same hope won by Jesus through his death and resurrection is relevant for us here and now. Tom Wright writes, we have become new people. A new life has come to birth within us because a new life has come to birth in the world in the resurrection from the dead of Jesus the Messiah. Becoming a Christian means that what God did for Jesus at Easter he does for you in the very depth of your being. Peter says it's in all of this that you greatly rejoice, all of that reality of this living hope. And Peter says, even though you rejoice, even though you're going through tri trials, they're going through specific grief and suffering. And their faith as they go through these trials is, is proving to be genuine and of a greater worth than gold beyond material possessions. For people who have living hope, suffering and persecution is actually a strange gift because it burns away false hopes and distractions like a purifying fire. It reminds us of our true home and hope. So paradoxically, life's hardships deepen our faith and make it more genuine. I've certainly found that to be true at this time of isolation. Uh, my life has been uh, stripped back from lots of distractions, simply because I can't go out and do those things anymore. And I've been taking, taken back 
to the essentials of faith in Jesus and sharing God's goodness with people. And in the conversations I've been having with people, I've noticed that what's coming to the surface is what is important in life. People are desiring community. They're not desiring screens, which we're having to use so much at this time. As we go on in our passage, verses eight and nine are a fantastic expression of what faith is. Peter says, even though you haven't seen Jesus, you love him. Now, remember, this is coming from Peter, who was a first hand witness of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. He's clearly radically affirming these people who several decades later love the Lord and believe in him, even though they don't see him. And Peter describes that they're being filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. When he says that, I wonder whether he was remembering that first time when he realised that Jesus standing before him was risen from the dead. I wonder whether Peter's remembering the inexpressible joy that he experienced at that moment of revelation in his life. And he says, even more so for you believers, you're loving and believing without seeing Jesus and you're filled with that joy for you're receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls. And then Peter in the final verses that we read carries on to unpack that salvation and he makes it clear that their salvation is part of a bigger story. Prophets from years and centuries before had predicted the Messiah and this is the moment that Peter is pointing out to those people the prophets predicted things that have now come to you, believers. Peter is joining the dots for them. It must have given him such a thrill to dictate this. And Peter references that the prophets predicted the sufferings of the Messiah. Jesus was not exempt from suffering. Far from it. He went through death to resurrection. Suffering happened to Peter too and to subsequent generations of disciples, including now, where there are Christians in different parts of the world being persecuted for their faith. But these times of suffering, these times of trial, these aspects that Jesus went through show that at a time of weakness, that's when we know God's strength the most. That's when we have the reality of God's strength, is in times of difficulty and weakness. So if you're finding things in life difficult at the moment, yes, there will be times of suffering, times of loss, but there will be times of resurrection and there is that living hope for the future, the inheritance that is kept safely for those who believe in God. I think it's important that at this time that we call out the living hope in each other in the same way as Peter encouraged those early believers, those early followers of Jesus. 
if you're finding life difficult at this moment, and certainly I've gone through that in these last few weeks, I find that getting somebody to remind me of that salvation, that living hope that I have in Jesus, gets me to focus on the new life that I have in Jesus, uh, rather than on the old life around me. And then that gives me hope to be able to live in the current life, to be able to live in the current situation. And that's what we can share with people around us. We can invite people from places of isolation into the family of God. We can experience ourselves and we can share this with others. That living hope, the fixed hope, the certainty of salvation in the life to come, that gives grace and peace to live in the here and now. Lord, grant this to us at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.